This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 87. Submissions number 139, 310, and 311. College Comedies of 1979, Delta House, Brothers and Sisters, and Co-Ed Fever. Guys, it's time to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I've already gone back to school, and everybody, and they're kicking all of the undergrads out. Grand yeah. opening, grand closing. Yeah. Well, I'm back at school, too, or back at work, and... Uh, the kids will actually return the day this is released on uh, Monday the 24th. And uh, we felt it was appropriate to do a back-to-school special, uh, even in these weird times. We actually planned this ages ago before COVID happened. So, yeah, it, it's a different time. It's a hey, different uh, college experience now. But Hey, whether you're learning in the classroom or virtually – it's still, it's still a good time to go to school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good time to get educated. Yes, because the Lord knows it's, it, it's been a long time since, <laughs> since most people have been in a classroom, so especially here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So back in 1979, there were three comedies that uh, debuted on TV – almost like one after the other after the other. Like, yep. like within, I, I think we determined about two to three weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they all have one thing in common. They would be gone before April. Yeah. Well, and also, every network tried doing their own show, trying to capitalize off of Animal House. That yep. was sort of the, 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 the basis for these shows, is, oh, Animal House was a huge success. John Belushi was... Absolutely amazing, that movie. Let's capitalize off of that by bringing the Animal House experience to the small screen. Yeah. And the, and the first one was actually the most authentic of the three. It was, it was the, called Delta House. It, yeah, it was the one that actually was spun off from the movie. And, of course, we have to do the specs here. Delta House aired on ABC from January 18th to April 21st, 1979 for a total of 13 episodes. The crazy wild and the rough and rude The Dean don't like their attitude The animals fraternity Well it could be in the end Of you and me So as I mentioned, this is truly 
like a televised spinoff of Animal House. Even down to some of the main characters, you had Dean Wormer from the movie. You had Flounder, D-Day, Hoover, and you didn't have Bluto Blatarski because the last John Belushi and John Belushi was part of NBC, not ABC. Yeah. So you had his brother, Jim Blutarski, Blotto. <laughs> not Bluto, Blotto. Blotto. Wow. Blotto. What, what what great imagination there. Yeah. Yeah, what of is course, Of course, this was explained away by saying Bluto was drafted into the army. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like they'd accept him. Hey, I'm just telling you what the what word of God tells me. And word of God also says that uh Wormer, Flounder, D Day, and Hoover were all played by the people who played them in Animal House. Yes. And we'll get to those folks in a moment. So the whole th- uh, deal with Blato Blutarski, with, with, with the brother, uh, he was originally going to be denied uh, enrollment at the school because of his relation to, to his brother. Oh, yeah, the, we had Bluto Blutarski. Oh, this, this Jim Blutarski wants to come to our school? Huh, not a chance. We're not going to have that guy at our school. Yeah, spoiler, you did. Mm-hmm. But going through the cast list, now again, the names are, a lot of them came straight from the movie. And we'll start off first with Dean Wormer himself, John Vernon. Yeah, sadly no longer with us, but known for uh, such cinematic classics as Dirty Harry, The Outlaw Josie Wales, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and uh, Sorority Boys. Oh, yeah. Sorority boys. But he also guest starred on an episode of Future Installment, The New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Yes! Oh, but yes. Oh, yeah, I did that for Greg. I did that specifically for Greg. Yeah, he was in a Savage Steve Holland joint, y'all. Mm-hmm. Looks like he was also in... It looks like he was also in Future Installment, Acapulco Heat. Yes. One of the best theme songs of short-lived show ever. Yep. And then reprising his role of Flounder was Stephen First. Ah, oh, one of the better password players of the era. Yeah, yep. I was going to say one of the better pyramid players of the era, but one in the same virtually. Yep. Yeah. Of course, you guys know him for his role as Beer Cotto on Babylon 5. That's your wings, Chico. Yeah, but, he loves oh, wings. Yeah. By the way, speaking of, I have a discovery that I made. Okay, who was that girl you said that was in that episode of um? Oh, from We Got It Made. Remember, you brought up uh, Babylon Five. Chris, what's her face? Christine something. Claudia Christian. Claudia Christian. Yes. Guess what I discovered. What did you discover? I discovered she was in the movie The Hidden. What? She plays, she plays a stripper in the movie The Hidden. And you know who's in The Hidden, right? Who's in The Hidden? 
Kyle McLaughlin. There's your wings. Oh, yeah. And not only that, but also is his co-star in the movie, Michael Nori of future installment, Downtown. Oh, yeah, but he, he's best known for Flashdance, but who cares? I just wanted to mention Downtown. He just wants to mention Downtown. Yeah. Every, you know who else was in Downtown? Who? Mariska Hargitay. Ooh, Mariska Hargitay. And, uh, and, and wait, 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 wait. You're getting all giddy over that. We're missing the big credit for Stephen first. What's that? A little show called Saint Elsewhere. Yeah! Oh, yeah! The yeah. big one! Yeah. We covered uh, that on a past episode, by the way. Yeah, and we're not going to cover it on a future episode because it's a good show. Oh, and also, since you guys are talking about your wings, well, <laughs> Stephen first. He was a guest on an episode of My Wings, Night Court. There we go. It's come full circle. We've hit everybody's wings. Crazy people living under a rat don't know wings. I love wings. Next is uh, D-Day, played by Bruce McGill, who is basically known for being that guy and that thing because, who got his credits. Uh, oh, yeah, he's very distinguished, Bruce McGill. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially if you're a fan of Seth MacFarlane's work, because he's done voices for The Cleveland Show. He played Lloyd Waterman on oh, The Cleveland War- Show. Of Waterman Cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he played a judge on American Dad, and then he played Lincoln's something or other on Family Guy. So he basically, he was basically that guy in that thing. In that Seth MacFarlane show, not called the Orville. Hey, he just needs one. He just needs the Orville for the quad. Yep. Come on, Seth, make it happen. Oh, uh, but oh, God, guys, guys, mm-hmm. now we get into the big one. Oh no! Here we go. Okay, big, big in in Greg's opinion, but yeah, big, big he, being he, a relative term at this point. Well. It, once you hear who it is, you'll you'll hear Greg Mark out. We'll, we'll just get out of the way. Jamie Widows, yeah. You mean Jamie Widows, a future uh, director of future installment, broke? Yes, that Jamie Widows. Yes, Jamie Widows is a director now. No, yeah. we mean Jamie Widows. Whose birthday it was on the day Magnificent Beard Guy won thirty thousand dollars at Match Game Hollywood Squares. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah, but if you look at his credits, he's up. It seems like he's known more or less as a director nowadays because, oh God, all these, all these credits. Uh, Reba, my wife and kids, King of Queens, Eight Simple Rules. Out of practice, according to Jim. The Bill Ingvall show with a young Jennifer Lawrence, Greg. Oh, yeah. And then there's the uh, lesser-known stuff that, yeah. And, and we also should add, he was on the first season of Charles in Charge. Yes, he yes. played Mr. Pembroke. Yep. Yeah. Before they moved to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And syndication. And syndication. Yep. <laughs> Now we mention the new class on um, the new class on Delta House, starting with, of course, 
Jim Blotto Blutarski, played by Josh Mostel. What was his best known role? Being Zero Mostel's son. <laughs> he was. That's the, true. He, he is. He was Zero Mostel's son. Yes, he was the principal in Billy Madison. That guy. Yes, he was the revolting blob. He killed a guy by sitting on someone's head. <laughs> I, I never really thought I'd ever hear the phrase, he died because somebody sat on his head. Hey, hey, Brad Wee Whitford, he was on top of those wrestling magazines in 1995. Yes. I, bet, I bet he had a Wrestling Observer subscription back then, too. Probably. Okay, so, and and now comes the the... Need the needful recasts. We have Thomas Holtz, who played Pinto Kroger in the movie, is now being played by Richard Sear. I don't know who he is either. Uh, take a look at his IMDb. Uh, this is his only credit in, uh, in a TV series, and his only other credit was in a TV movie called This Year's Blonde. That's it. That's his career. That's, that's his career. He went back to not being seen. Hmm. Otter was played by Tim Matheson in the movie, is now played by Peter Fox, who is known as Reverend Mosley in the Walton's made-for-TV reunion movies. Wow. It looks like he also uh, appeared on 14 episodes of Knott's Landing in the 1984-85 season as Tom Jezik. But he's also on one episode of Future Installment Cover-Up. Yep. Next is Douglas C. Niedermeyer, the Sergeant-at-Arms at Omega House. Boo! Played by Mark Metcalf in the movie, the TV series, he's played by Gary Cookson who is known nowadays as being uh, either Curran or Sippard on Law & Order. He was also in one of the CBS Summer Playhouse, Playhouse series, Hard Hat. We should also add the last time he was on Law & Order was 1995, so yeah. we're, we're talking a quarter century ago. Yeah. Hasn't been on a lot of stuff since. No, it's um, been slow for him. Yeah. Oh, speaking of slow. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Mandy Pepperidge. Who played her in the movie? Louise Weller played her. Mary Louise Weller. Sorry. Okay. Well, uh, that role was played by Susanna Dalton on the TV show. Who? And she has had one credit since 1983. Is it Matlock? No. No. No, no. It was actually in 2018, a voice in a short called Fantasy Prone. But uh, besides that, she was on an episode of All My Children, uh, an episode of BJ and the Bear, Future Song of BJ and the Bear, and mm. a couple of other little roles. But she literally did nothing on IMDb between 1983 and 2018. That's 35 years. Yikes. That's a drought, yes. Mm -hmm. 
Next is a new character in the TV series, Muffy Jones, played by Wendy Goldman, who was who went on to be the stewardess in National Lampoon's European Vacation. Mike, coffee yeah. or tea? I, I want to go on pig and a poke. No, 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 no. The line after when she asks coffee or tea, Clark says, "I'll have a coke." Do you like that in the can? No thanks. I'll I'll drink it here. <laughs> Vintage Clark. I, I still want to be on pig and a poke. <laughs> yeah, because then, yeah, yeah. then you'd be with John Aston. You're damn right I want to be with John Aston. Everybody wants to be with John Aston. And I want to be dressed like a pig. Oink oink will be pigs. Oh. Nowadays she can now nowadays she's a producer having produced ten things I hate about you for ABC Family and baking it for MTV. The US version, not the UK version. And in terms of acting, besides Delta House, there's really not much there. Uh, she did a couple of uh, guest appearances on some shows, but uh, the two shows that it says she appeared on, one of these I think is an entry, and one of these I think may become an entry. One is called Hot Flashes, which I'm pretty sure we have on the list. Mm -hmm. And the other one is called Tough Cookies. Which I'm also pretty sure we have on the list. Oh, there you go. So we're two for two in that regard. Okay. And now, Mike, oh gosh, you've been waiting for this, haven't you? Yeah, two of the next three people that we cover, oh my gosh, big names. Big, or, big. or at least one eh, name, but then one big name. One, I can't believe we're talking about this person on this show. Oh, yeah. name. One superstar name. This is not, you know, oh... Look, it's Larry Linville. No, this is not Larry Linville. This no, isn't no, no. somebody that the only the three of us knows. We are talking. You want to talk about known entity? This is a known entity. But we'll get there. We get to that person when we get to there. It's the last person. So yes, first person is Greg Marmalard, the president of Omega House, originally played by James Doughton in Animal House. He is played by friend of yours, Mike. Brian Patrick Clark. Well, okay, if you say so. Well, you know you like him, right? Well, I respect the man. You, you, you respect him. That's good. Yeah, and where you might know uh, Brian Patrick Clark from is Eight is Enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also on General Hospital for a little while, it looks like. But astute viewers would know him from appearing on the different versions of Pyramid in the 80s. And I think he played Password a time or two, especially, I think, Password Plus. I don't think he played yeah. Super Password, but yeah. uh, since Eight is Enough would have been on when Password Plus was on, I'm sure he made a, a stop or two over there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Next up is Professor Dave Jennings. In the movie, was played by whom? Donald Sutherland. That's right. Kiefer's dad, baby. Oh, big mm -hmm. name there. Only President Snow in the Hunger Games. I mean, come on. Wait, wait a minute. The Hunger Games. You mean that movie that has the girl who played Betty Brandt from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy who hosts Pressure Luck? All of those things. Yeah, yes, Greg. All of those things. So in the 
TV show. He was played by Peter Kastner. Yeah, who who is sadly no longer with us. Who's no longer with us and really just guest starred on a lot of TV shows and his last guest appearance from what I see was in the Canadian series Hanging In in 1985. I I remember watching that show on a K, I think it was KTLA or KTTV, one of those two. Yeah, I remember seeing it. Uh, on a pair of rabbit ears uh, broadcast from London, Ontario. So, yeah, I, I'm familiar with the uh, the title hanging in. And I think it aired in syndication here, too, because I think it was on W. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah, they aired, like, season one on in syndication. Fun fact, while I was living in Arizona, we were able to get three three regional superstations, KTLA, KTTB, both out of L.A., and KPHO out of Phoenix, and it aired on one of those three. I just don't remember which one. And now the big one. A new character introduced into the Animal House slash Delta House canon, the Bombshell. And oh my gosh, did they find a name before she hit it absolutely huge. Did they nail the casting on this one? Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. That's all we need to say. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle freaking Pfeiffer. Yeah. Catwoman slash Janet Van Dyne herself. And this was actually her first credit. IMDb lists Delta House as her first credit. Huh. Pretty good debut. I like to think so, yes. Well, this show, getting into like more of an analytic uh, side than just, well, here's who is in it. I saw an episode, and I didn't think it was all that funny. No, same here. I saw the first episode. I, I also saw the first episode. I'm just, yeah, it it didn't have that. You know what? Harold Ramis can only write so much. Yeah, yeah, and we should also add, yeah, Harold Ramos uh, did uh, writing on this, but also Ivan Reitman directed it. Yes, that Ivan Reitman. Yeah, yeah, and 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 frankly, it, it's a wonder why it didn't last. Actually, no, it isn't a wonder. <laughs> they all no, came. I, no, I, I can sum it up based on what I've seen and read. Yeah. When you're talking about Animal House and Delta House, it has to do with all the pranking and stuff. And I'm sure if it always ends in a prank, you know, it gets a little predictive. You know, how many times can you end the show with, oh, Delta House pranked Dean Wormer or uh, pranked the other uh, fraternity? Yeah. 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 So, so that that's, it, it's, yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's very little creativity there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention who wrote a couple of episodes of Delta House. John Hughes. Yes. Oh, wow. That yes. John Hughes. Yes, that John Hughes. John Hughes wrote one, two, three, four, five of the 13 episodes. On two episodes, he is a co writer, I believe. Yeah. Well, talk about finding stars before they got. Really big, 
you had Harold Ramis and John Hughes and Ivan Reitman and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. That, that that's pretty amazing for a, a 13 week show to have so much future star power behind it. Oh yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else. Um, you want to know, you really want to know why all three of these shows failed crowded marketplace. Yeah. Well, yeah, as I said earlier, each of these shows was on a different network. You had Delta house on ABC and you had uh, brothers and sisters on NBC and Coed fever was on CBS. So yeah, they all tried their attempt at it. And it's sort of like the episode we had, Oh, about seven and a half, eight months ago at this point on millionaire ripoffs in 2000. Yep. Yeah, it's just they're all trying to attain that brass ring, but none of them are really that good, and that's sort of what you have here. Yeah, and and the thing of it is, it, you can have the best writers, and we've seen this on Nuthouse. You can have the best writers, best actors, best crew, but ultimately, uh, serial television—not serial television, yeah, serial television—is not a movie. No. You can only do so much with it before it gets stale. And you had three shows on at the same time, and they all follow, you know what, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, really quickly through the episodes, and we're just going to jot down a bunch of things that, we can, that we're going to see over and over again. Episode one, The Legacy. We meet the Rowdy Frat Brothers and see how they love to play pranks. And in the opener... Blotto transfers the favor, intent on keeping out of trouble, but Niedermeyer pushes him too far. He unleashes the animal side and lives up to the blue Katarski name. Meanwhile, Flounder's paper gets a B plus, and Dean Wormer suspects him of cheating and forces him to compete for the Nerdlinger Award. What a bunch of crap! He got a B plus. I Why know. Like- I would have killed for a B plus in college. It's not like he got an A. He got a B plus. Well, we all we all know that Dean Wormer is a dick. He is. He's not that smart, this Dean. No, he's not that smart, this Dean. Why do you think he's on the business end of all these pranks? Because uh, he's not that smart. Okay. Episode 2, The Shortest Yard. Dean Werber is impressed by how far Blotto can punt a football, so he recruits him for the football team for the upcoming big game. But when Blotto refuses to play, the Deltas substitute Flounder in his place, who by his own admission does not have a sports gene in his body. So it's up to the rest of the Deltas to figure ways to help the team win and keep Flounder from floundering on the field and not give the Dean the reason to eject Blotto from the college. This is going to become, this, this is going to be, become <laughs> your fill-in-the-blank plot here. I don't, you're not going to believe what happens. Episode 3, Parents' Day. The Deltas lured the Omegas into town and away from campus by making them believe they are leading a parade for a local congressman. Meanwhile, the Deltas switch the Greek letters on their house and the Omega's house, so the Deltas' moms and dads are visiting them in, in the clean Omega house, while the Omega's moms and dads end up in the messy Delta house. The Deltas switch... Ha ha ha! Another college prank! 
You know, Jason Bateman does it so much better. Yeah, because at least you have David Garrison as this thing. Mm-hmm. Episode 4, The Guns of October. A speech by JFK leads to a mega opening, an elite bunker for survival with campus security funds. When a faulty test alarm sounds like a real warning of missiles launching, everyone goes into action. The Delta's throwing a welcome Russia party to end all parties, while the Omegas just prepare for the end. Meanwhile, Professor Jennings gives Flounder an interesting assignment. Prove that he exists. Prove this show exists. Well, in fairness, it w- it w- did seem like at that time in 1962 it was the end of the world, so. Hmm. Yeah, valid yeah. point. Yep. Episode 5, The Lady in Waiting, spelled W-E-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. Dean Wormer gives Delta House a week to clean up the house, so they hire a house mother to help get things together. Meanwhile, Blotto enters a weightlifting contest to win the money that is required to make repairs on the house. Okay, now this is suddenly turned into the Three Stooges NES game. Having to raise money to fix the orphanage. (laughs) Never thought we'd see a Three Stooges NES game reference on this podcast. We'll cover that on the uh, spinoff podcast. It was a thing at the home arcade. Yep. Episode 6, The Draft. Dean Wormer fixes it so that D-Day receives his draft notice so the Deltas throw him a party to see him off. But tensions arise between the Deltas after D-Day's departure, which leads to Hoover moving to the dorm. Louder and Pinto to a civil rights activist pad, Otter alone in Delta House, and Blotto up a tree. Literally. You don't suppose D-Day's the glue that holds this madness together, do you? Yeah, I mean, come on. It's Bruce McGill. Yep. Well, also, I want to note that there was a special guest star in this episode. Oh. Hmm? Yeah. A gentleman by the name of Dick Wilson. Who is Dick Wilson, you ask? Who is Dick Wilson? He played Mr. Whipple in all those Charmin ads. Whoa! Just whoa. All the whoa right now. Well, but also another thing, myself and uh, and Greg, before the show, before Chico hopped on, uh, I shared this nugget of information with Greg, and we went to his IMDb, and um, when he appeared on TV shows, he was definitely a victim of typecasting. He was. Because I, I'm going to go through some of the roles that he played. Well, first off, not typecasting here. In the premiere episode of Square One TV on MathNet, he portrayed a grocer. That's not typecasting at all. Well, no, that's not the typecasting I'm talking about. On the 1983 show and also future installment, Small and Fry, in four different episodes, he portrayed a barfly. That's not typecasting. Oh, just you wait. Oh. On an episode of Alice, he portrayed a drunk. That's definitely not typecasting. Oh, just you wait, my friend. On an episode of Future Installment, The Paul Lind Show, he portrayed Tipsy Man. Oh, that is so not typecasting. 
on something called the world's greatest athlete in 1973, <laughs> portrayed drunk in a bar. What? Right. <laughs> Greg, 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 Greg. <laughs> Look at this. A down-on-his-luck coach travels to Africa where he spots the world's greatest athlete, a white Tarzan type. The coach brings him back to the U.S. of A. to compete. Starring John A. Oh, my God. Look at this cast. Starring Tim Conway, Jan Michael Vincent, and John Amos. What a triple threat you got in this movie. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. I haven't even finished. I thought Chico was going to make another. And that's still not typecasting comment because there's even more. In an episode of Bewitched from 1969, he just played drunk. <laughs> that's not typecasting. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Oh, and it is something called Captain Nice from 1967. He played. Wait, wait. Future installment, Captain Nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> he played the drunk. <laughs> Either he's a convincing drunk or he has a drinking problem. Well, he just likes being around alcohol, apparently. Because uh, looking. Uh, on Wagon Train in 1958, he portrayed a bartender. Oh, and in something called The Loner, he played a bartender. Yes, he did. Oh, in something called The Virginian, he played a bartender. The Virginian is a classic. Virginian is a classic, yeah. And also in The Fugitive, on an episode, he played Burger the Bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> but here's a nice change of pace in something called Tales of Wells Fargo. He played the cafe owner. Oh, uh, he sobered up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. And, okay. And on that oh, one. I'm sorry. I'm dead. I'm dead. Okay. Mr. Whipple was a frigging drunk. Drunk. He couldn't stay away from the alcohol. This is the information you get on this podcast. <laughs> Mr. Ripple was an effing drunk. Yep. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Okay. Go, go to episode seven. Episode seven. The deformity. Pinto's acne makes him self-conscious about his look, so his frat brothers try to help him regain his confidence. Meanwhile, Dean Wormer tries angling for grant money for the science program from a visiting military officer and his best chance at getting it is Hoover's science project. And you know, again, because of pranks, because it's Delta House, the science experiment blows up or goes wrong. Yeah. yeah. I'd put money on that. Hey, John Hughes wrote it. It's got to happen. Episode 8, Big Man on Campus. When... Flounder falls in love with Mandy Pepperidge. It's up to the Deltas to make her see him as the man of her dreams, the new big man on campus, and not just, you know, Flounder. Ooh! It's time for sexy time. Oh. Episode 9, The Fall of Dean Wormer. After Dean Wormer's wife finds him in, in his office with a young co-ed, Greg... 
<laughs> Thank you. She reports him to the trustees who meet to vote about and replace him. The Deltas are ready to celebrate Wormer's departure until they find out his replacement is far worse than Wormer, so they plot to help the Dean save his job. One notable thing I want to note about this episode, you know who plays a guest star in this episode? Who plays a guest star in this episode? Elaine Joyce! Ah! Is she the young co-ed that Dean Warmer ends up with? She would have been in her mid-30s at the time. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I stand by the question. She keeps incredibly well, in case you don't know. Yeah. Agreed, but still, you know, let's be realistic. Okay. So she would be Dean Warmer's wife then. I don't know. I don't know what she'd play. Yeah, she probably, she probably was Dean Warmer's wife for all we know. Yeah. Episode 10. No, blood. actually, oh, 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 huh? I'm going to stop you because actually, uh, well, she just played a character named Gloria, but it looks like Dean Wormer's wife was played by a, a sort of a Hollywood legend, Gloria DeHaven. Oh. Oh, in that case, that was definitely Dean Wormer's wife. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> by the way, since Elaine Joyce's character's name was Gloria, was she always on the run now? Gloria! Because I think they got her number. Gloria! That's for you St. Louis Blues fans. Uh, next one, episode 10, The Blotto Who Came to Dinner. Due to poor grades, Dean Wormer happily expels Blotto! Jerk. However, when the Dean accidentally hits Blotto with his car, the tables are turned and Wormer must take care of Blotto to avoid a big lawsuit. Yeah. Those were all things that happened in a typical week at Baber College. Dean Wormer finally gets to expel Blotto, and then he hits him with a car. I know you didn't like the guy, but hitting him with a car? Come on, man. I've tried it. Oh, uh, never mind. Oh, God. <laughs> Episode 11, Campus Bear. The Delta Boys plan to use the Bombshell, who, by the way, is still played by Michelle Pfeiffer, to win a beauty contest. But when she's sent away on an archaeological assignment, they scramble for a replacement in which they choose the less attractive Muffy. Oh. Because, come on, you're not going to get it. You're not going to do better than Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, but that's a plot line you can't use nowadays. You can't say, oh, well, we can't use the bombshell, so we're going to use the less attractive Muffy. You're not, yeah. <clears throat> Episode 12, Hoover and the Bomb. Hoover falls head over heels for the bombshell, who's still played by Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way, and when she does not know how to let him down gently, aww. The Deltas intervene, which leads Hoover to have a nightmare about married life. Can you imagine Jamie Widows and Michelle Pfeiffer? Oh, what the kids must look like. Boy, that, that kid would be tall. Yeah. Uh, and blonde. He would be a tall blonde. Wait, hold up a second. Would that mean that Jamie Widows would be Hank Pym in this analogy? Yes. Yes, it would. See, Chico got it. Mm-hmm. And the last one, the matriculation of Kent Dorfman. 
To the chagrin of Dean Wormer, Flounder's parents threatened to cancel their annual contribution to Faber College and move their son to another college. Unfortunately for Flounder, the only place that will accept him is a women's college. Woo! You can tell it just gets wild after after a while. Yeah. Like fantastic fantasy. And that's Delta House. And that is Delta House. But wouldn't you know it, three days, three days, not even half a week, three days after the premiere of Delta House comes Brothers and Sisters. Brothers and Sisters aired on NBC from January 21st to April 6th of 1979 for a total of 12 episodes. Now, guys, this was this got tremendous hype for NBC because NBC aired Brothers and Sisters after Super Bowl 13 between the Steelers and Cowboys. Now, this was the epic, the epic Super Bowl between Pittsburgh and Dallas with the legendary dropped pass call with Jackie Smith and. Of course, who can forget Vern Lundquist on the radio for the Cowboys saying, bless his heart, he's got to be the sickest man in America right now. Oh, yeah. But you know what made America even more sick that night? (laughs) Jeez. Oh, my gosh. What a segue. Three. This, This show. Can you imagine Jackie Smith being like, you know, I dropped a pass in the Super Bowl. Oh, my, my life sucks right now. Let me get back to the hotel room. Let me let me turn on NBC. Oh shit. This show <laughs> this show sucks. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. So, as a as a testament to how this show was quickly forgotten, 
One of the sh- one of the uh, actresses who was on the show, Mary Crosby, who we'll talk about later, was actually on a week. She was actually promoting the show for a week in March of '79 on Hollywood Squares, and Peter Marshall said, "Brothers, brothers and sisters," was airing on another on another network. Oops. No, it was this network. That's not a good sign. No. No. When Peter Marshall says, your show is so bad, I want it to be on another network. No, that's not a good sign you're going to be sticking around. No, it is not. Oh, my gosh. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, it it, it ended rather quietly. So who was in Brothers and Sisters? Well, I know one person who was on Brothers and Sisters. Chris Lemon? Yes, Chris Lemon of future installment, Thunder in Paradise. What? Yeah. Yeah. He played, yeah. He played Mil- Milos Checo Sabalchik. Oh, and by the way, guys, when we do video game show part two, we're definitely talking about the Thunder and Paradise CDI game. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, also, since uh, Chris Lemon was on this, and uh, he later went on to uh, a Thunder and Paradise with Hulk Hogan, shouldn't this be called Brothers and Sisters? <laughs> well, you know something, Mean Gene. Life here, I've been hanging and banging here at the dorm with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh! Oh my god. There you go. I got Brother Brunei here. Brother. He's doing all the strutting and cutting here. Oh my. Uh, yeah, this has just gone completely off the rails here. Okay. Yeah, yeah moving on. Moving on. Uh, then you have John Cutler who plays Stanley Zipper, a.k.a. Zipper. Wait, Zipper! Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Man, out of the park! Grand Slam! I play for the Padres! Thank you, Fernando Tatis. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not Chris Woodward. I, I, uh, oh. Next, I'm going to do my impression of Tom Brenneman. No, 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 no. No, we're going to save that for the end. Yeah. Let's not play our cards yet for Tom Brenneman. Okay. Yeah. And and John Cutler did did like nothing. I'm not even joking. Yeah. He he had some small parts. Yeah, his latest part was actually as underground tech in The Running Man. Oh, my God. So he's helping Richard Dawson out. Yeah. He was helping Richard Dawson out with Kurt Fuller. Yep, and rounding out the and rounding out the trio of Pie New Fraternity, nicknamed the Le Dump, Randy Brooks, who played Ronald Holmes the Third, and he later went on to a number of soap operas, uh, playing Nathan Hastings in The Young and the Restless uh, in the mid-90s, looks like 1994. He was also on Generations, if you remember that, back in the early 90s. 
I do remember that. I, I remember I, I'm, one of, I'm one of like five different people who remember that. Oh, and he was also on an episode of Thunder in Paradise. Oh, he was reunited with Chris Lemon. Great. It's like, I haven't seen you since college. But his biggest role was actually Holdaway in Reservoir Dogs. So he, he, has, he has a decent career for himself. Yeah. And then on the other side of campus, you have the Gamma Iota Sorority. And in said sorority, you have Mary Crosby, who played Susie Cooper. Oh, and hold up. What, who did Mary Crosby notably play? Kristen Shepard, a.k.a. I'm the bitch that shot him. Yeah, she like, shot uh, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that was my, that was my piss poor Aaron Burr, by the way. Wait, don't you mean Aaron Burr? He hasn't seen. He, he's never seen Hamilton. He's never seen Hamilton. Anyway, but but he's yeah. seen milk commercials. <laughs> but, but yeah, so yeah, Mary Crosby played Kristen Shepherd on Dallas, who was the girl who shot Jr. And we also have Amy Johnson as Mary Lee. Not that Amy Johnson. No, Amy Amy Johnston. Known for the Buddy Holly story and not much else, I'm afraid. No. I feel like I need to apologize to Joe. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Not not Amy Joe Johnson, Amy Johnston. And of course, rounding out the cast is Larry Anderson. Yes, that Larry Anderson. Wait, wait, hold up. The relief picture, Larry Anderson? Not that Larry Anderson! Yeah, not the Larry Anderson that got traded for Jeff Bagwell. True story. Look it up. Mm-hmm. It's like, not that Larry Anderson. The other Larry Anderson. Martin, he, he played Buddy Lesko on West Webster, Martin Fleming on Nightport, and also on future installments, Rags to Riches, She's the Sheriff and Life with Lucy. Now, how dare you forget what else he's done? He oh, was yeah. the host on Truth or Consequences in 1987. Of course. And he hosted at least one iteration of the California Lottery uh, show. Yep. Uh, I think he did Big Spin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, he also played a pre- the pre-surgery Michael Knight on Knight Rider. Ooh. Yeah. He played Michael Long, who was badly injured in a car crash and reconstructed to look like David Hasselhoff. Lucky guy. Lucky guy, indeed. Lucky bastard. Next is Roy Teicher, who played Seymour. I don't know who who this guy is. No. All I know is he wrote a lot. He wrote future installments, The Bad News Bears, Oh, Madeline! And he was actually more on the, he was actually more in the uh, creative side than anything else. This is his only acting credit in IMDb. Yeah, he's a he's he is a he is a writer by trade. But yeah, he wrote for O Madeline, starring Jesse Wells and James Sloyan. 
previously of Mexican Hollywood Squares in the last two weeks. Yep. And nobody cares. Nobody. <laughs> and the and the one person who's keeping this all together is Dean Larry Crandall, played by living legend, well, living at the time legend, legendary actor, William Wyndham. Oh, gosh. Where don't you know him from? <laughs> I think most people would know him from Murder, She Wrote. Yep. Let's just say he's been a lot. He's been... He's been in a lot of things. Yeah, he's done a lot of, of TV shows. and Gosh, I mean, just looking at his resume, yeah. I mean, we he, would he, be he, here he, all he, day if we went over all of this stuff. It is. Yeah, he may not have starred in many shows or, or co-starred in many shows, but he appeared in a lot of shows. So he was like that guy that did that thing, that guest star. Yep. He, he, he was the if you will, special guest star on put your Quinn Martin production here, Barnaby Jones or Cannon or Mannix. He was special guest star, William Wyndham. So there you go. Yeah. And, and it all, and it all took place on the campus of Crandall college. I don't think, I don't think Larry Crandall owned the place, but I think his family might have. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But so, yeah, m- more more hijinks, more college hijinks, and okay. Gosh, we haven't gotten enough of that over on ABC. Hey, let's put it on NBC. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my gosh! Oh, well, hold up. I, I've noticed there's some notable writers on this show. Yeah, there are. That I will. We'll mention them as we go over the episodes here. Uh, the first one is, of course, the pilot, written by Ron Levitt and Brian Levant, and directed by Lowell Gans, accepting a waiter from snooty pie new president Harlan. Zipper unwisely bets his entire tuition he could lure beautiful sorority girl Susie Cooper into his bedroom by midnight. As the deadline approaches, Zipper's buddy Checo devises a plan to help his friend win the bet. And we should note in this pilot episode... Playing Hattie, a very popular name around the time, LaWanda Page. That LaWanda Page. Yes, that LaWanda Page and Esther. Hmm. We'll get. We'll talk about. We'll talk more about her when we cover the Sanford verse later. Oh, and not terribly long from now either. We're going to be covering the Sanford verse. Yeah, we're going to go into the Sanford verse, baby. Mm-hmm. Episode two. High time! When the college president's tipsy daughter passes out in their room after curfew, Checo, Ronald, and Zipper try to sneak her back into her own room. Guys, the episode's called High Time. What do you think it means? The room they're trying to sneak they were eating in. a sandwich. The room they're trying to sneak her into was on the 14th floor? No, they were probably eating a sandwich. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, probably, they're probably eating a sandwich. Just remember, Ted Mosby will tell every story about the time he got laid, but he won't tell them about the time he smoked weed. Uh, all right, next up, Man in Chains. The angry sisters of Gamma Iota kidnaps Zipper after suspecting him of stealing their diaries. 
And one thing I want to note about this episode, who wrote it? It was written by Jeff Franklin. Yes! Creator of Bull House. Yes. And we mentioned him on the condo episode. Yes. But also, did you see who directed this episode? Dick Martin! Yeah, Dick Martin! Oh, Dick Martin? Yes. What? Yeah, that Dick Martin. Man. So many stars on all these shows and none of them lasted. This is this is wacky. Hmm. But of course, you know, Dick Martin, this didn't work out. He'd end up on future installment, my readers, and the rest is history. Hey, Ron Levitt wrote on this show and he ended up writing future entry. Uh no oh wait. And he ended up well, Ron Levitt wrote on this show and he ended up writing previous entry uh it's your move. Oh, and future installment top of the heap. Yeah, but also let's not forget a little show called Married with Children too. Oh, oh yeah. of course. With Michael yeah. Boy. Yeah. They're geniuses. Episode four, mirror image, scrambling to find zipper a date for the Valentine's Day dance. The Pie New brothers settle on Seymour's overweight sister Marilyn, who is visiting for the weekend. As a prank, eh, Harlan arranges for Zipper to be crowned King of Hearts at the dance. Careful, that's how Carrie started. Hold up a second. What was that name again? Zipper. Zipper? What is it with these shows with characters with Zipper in it? I have no idea. Episode 5 Made in Japan Where were the vapors for this? This doesn't sound like it'll end well This sounds like it might be a little bit racist Well, we'll see After seeing his pals Checo and Ronald Split up over a beautiful Asian student Zipper Yep, there it is (laughs) There it is Zipper Zipper tries to force a truce by locking them in the same room together, unaware that the fraternity house is on fire. What? It's a bottle episode. Oh. Episode six. Episode six. A wrenching problem. When Zipper's father arrives on campus for a visit, Checo and Ronald conspire to trick him into believing that his son is a model student. Since Harlan is out of town, Zipper attempts to pose as president of the fraternity. Zipper! We should just do that the rest of the episode. Let's do that the rest of the episode. Anytime his name comes up, I'll chime in with saying Zipper. (laughs) Well, it's every episode, so let's do that. There's only six more left. I can't believe I missed Zipper until episode four. (laughs) What are you going to do, huh? Episode 7, Lucky Me. Checo and Ronald attempt to cure Zipper. Zipper! Of his tendency to hiccup when excited, which has been sabotaging his romantic life. Meanwhile, Harlan finds out and tells everybody. Because Harlan is that petty. Because Harlan is a petty mo. Episode 8, Love and Marriage. Checo, Ronald, and Zipper. Zipper! Organized their own version of the newlywed game after enrolling in a marriage survival course that requires pairing off with a female partner. 
Yeah. We were just the speeding new, along. Yeah, the newlywed game was big that big around that time. Yeah, wasn't there the new newlywed game at this point? No, that would that wouldn't come for another uh what year or so. No, no. No, I'm because big. No, the because new, just... the new newlywed game would would not be around until 1985. But the oh. newlywed game was in syndication at this point. Yes, yeah, it was. Okay. Episode nine: Spring Vacation. En route to Florida for spring break, check out Ronald and Zipper. End up stranded at a seedy roadside diner when their car breaks down. They're shocked to discover the snobbish Mary Lee working as a waitress. Oh my god. Character development. <gasps> Not on a collegiate sitcom. That's just unheard of. I do like they're having these timely episodes. A spring break episode airing in late March of 79. The Valentine's Day dance episode aired just before Valentine's Day of 79. So give them credit for, you know, being timely. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to explain this one. Episode 10, Save the Monkey. (laughs) Zipper. Zipper. Creates chaos when he rescues a chimpanzee from a fatal research experiment. Mary Lee is not too happy when she winds up babysitting the lovable chip who mimics her every move. Isn't this the plot of that Matthew Broderick movie, Project X? Yes. Oh, I was wondering if this is like an early pilot for Mr. Smith. I was just about to say, yeah, <laughs> how's the truth look, bitch? Oh my gosh. I can't believe we were on the same wavelength there. I know. Okay. Zipper, you released the chimpanzee. <laughs> Episode 11, the main event. Harlan challenges Ronald to a boxing match to defend Mary Lee's honor. Of course, taking bets are Checo and... Zipper! <laughs> if you don't understand the reference, you're not a long-time listener. Well, you know, long-time being all of 10 months now. Go back to episode three, the Auto Man part, specifically where Auto Man plays an exotic dancer at a strip club named Zippers. Yeah. Hey, it's the last episode, Chico. Yay, last episode. And, and look at the name of the episode. Truth or consequences. Hi, Larry Anderson. How you? Doing? Yeah, Larry Anderson's gonna host that in eight years. Harlan cheats on a calculus exam, and who's blamed for it? Zipper. Zipper! He's blamed for it. Zipper is blamed for everything! Yeah. Now I know why John Cutler didn't have that sort of career that Randall Brooks and, or Randolph Brooks and Chris Lemon had. Yeah, well, at least Brian Levent was saying, you know what, in about another 10 years, I'm going to be directing movies like Beethoven and Jingle All the Way, so I don't have to worry about this ruining my resume. Oh, and in 10 years, I'll also be the executive producer on Pachinsky. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. 
That's previous installment Puchinski. Oh my uh, gosh. Let, yeah, let, let's end the pain for once and for all. We've covered two of these. There's one more to go, and this one's going to be a quick one because it aired one time. Oh, thank God. You oh, heard me yeah. correct. And the show we're talking about is Co-Ed Fever. Co-Ed Fever aired on CBS a single time on February 4th, 1979. One aired episode, five unaired, six total. That was three years after Rocky, and the sequel would be coming out in 79. Right. Yep. So they probably so, aired the movie to piggyback on the sequel being released. Yep. And when the movie was over at 30, here comes Coed Beaver, who was supposed to be the next big thing. And it fell flat. Yeah, the ratings absolutely sucked on it. And CBS said, nope, our experiment into college comedy is done. We're not even going to give this another week. Nope, 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 nope. In 2002, TV Guide actually listed Co-Ed Fever as the 32nd worst TV show of all time. Yeah. Wow. And there's nothing online about it except, well, yeah, uh, except, except for an open. Yep. Yeah. Truth by consensus Wikipedia that says that it was centered around the co-eds of Baxter College, a former all-female college, which just went co-ed and welcomed in male students. Students like Tucker Davis, played by David Keith, who was more known as Wade on Hawaii Five O. And, and, and more well-known as Jack Porkman in uh, Major League Two. Porkman doing his little shimmy. It makes the women here in Cleveland puke. And next is Christopher S. Nelson, who plays Doug. Yeah, all, all he had was... All he has nowadays is stunt work. 1993's Robocop 3. Yeah, this is like uh, his only regular acting gig and, and and when i say regular it, it appears he appeared on all eight episodes <laughs> well no wait now we have a conflict because it says eight episodes and truth by consensus wikipedia said six 
So however many episodes there were between six and eight, he was on all six or eight of them. He was like, how many was on six or eight? He was on all of them. Next is Michael Pasternak, who played Gobo, not that Gobo. Oh. I'm sorry. I was hoping for a Fraggle Rock reference. Well, there you go. There's your Fraggle Rock reference. Of course, he he would go on to be known as that guy from that thing. Yeah. Yeah, he would be. And of course, they they join up the previously living female residents, Mouse, Maria, aka Mousy, played by Alexa Kennan, who sadly is no longer with us. Yikes! She oh. she passed away really early. Oh, oh my gosh! She, hold, she was hold. only twenty three. She's only twenty three. Oh my god! She's buried in the same cemetery that Herb Abrams is buried in oh, in West no. Babylon. Don't give oh, him boy. ideas. No, no, we've, no. Lost, we've no. lost Greg. We've lost him. No. But but also, I think it's worth noting that when the premiere aired, she was just sixteen. What? Wait, hold on. Well, it says she was born February sixteenth of sixty two, and remember, this aired February fourth of seventy nine. She would have been sixteen. So was this like a Mio Kunis that seventies show kind of situation? Yes. I'm not touching that with a forklift. Next is Catherine O'Neill, who played Elizabeth, who is basically known for one episode of Fantasy Island, one episode of The Rockford Files, and this. Next is T.C. Phillips, who was on nothing outside of this, and Jillian Kessner, who was in Firecracker and sadly also no longer with us. Now, on the, now you were talking about uh, Alexa Kennan being 16, playing a college yeah. co-ed. Correct. Jillian Kessner was 29. Okay, that's the exact opposite, of, but at least... I don't want to say that's more realistic, but, you know, she's at least a grown adult. She's at least yeah. a legal adult. Mm-hmm. She would, she would be, she is, again, a, a, a habitual that lady from that thing. And, of course, the big one. Playing Sandy, Heather Thomas. Yeah. And if you don't know who Heather Thomas is, what podcast are you listening to? You're clearly not a red-blooded American male in the 1980s because she was part of The Fall Guy. Yeah, The Fall Guy. Mm-hmm. Enough said. That's all we need to say. Yep. Yeah. So we have the ladies, we have the gents, and then we have the house mom. Mrs. Selby, played by Jane Rose. Jane Rose. Sadly, this would be her final performance. Well, what a way to go out! Yeah, she died. Looks like about four and a half months later, June of nineteen seventy-nine. Uh huh. 
Wow. Yep. But again, she was uh, she was very much a that lady from that thing as well. You want to talk about a that person from that thing? Mr. Peabody, not that one, was played by Hamilton Camp. He was a that person from that show. Uh, wait, are we talking about are we talking about the Hamilton Camp who played Gizmo Duck on DuckTales? No, not that Hamilton Camp, Chico. I'm talking about the Hamilton Camp who was on soap playing Elmore Tibbs in, in the season three cliffhanger episode, but also mm-hmm. played Arthur Wainwright. He was Henry Rush's boss. What? Yeah, he, he played uh, uh, Arthur Wainwright, who was Henry Rush's boss at a, a newspaper back in like the second season of, uh, of Too Close for Comfort. Another again, another one of those people that you may not know the name, but you know the face or you know the the voice. He's mm-hmm. been all over the place. Oh, totally. He even appeared on the one episode, the only episode of future installment. Turn on. Oh, that's how about that? We haven't had anybody show up on uh, a, a, on another show from a, a TV show that aired one episode. Look, this guy was on two shows that aired one episode. Two one and done's. Fever. There you go. He's the king of one episode shows. Yeah. He's the king of one up wonders. Yay. Okay, so that one episode was Pepperoni Passion. Trouble comes in with the boys when the girls' school goes co ed. In the opener, Mousy pines for Tuck, who is interested in Melba. Who just isn't interested? How could you get six? How'd you get? How did you get six or eight episodes out of that premise? I have absolutely no idea. No. Lest you think this show was a complete and total loss, they did salvage the set and reuse it for at least one season of The Facts of Life. Maybe just the first season, I think. Yeah, yeah back when the, back when they were still trying to find themselves and when molly ringwald was in the cast mm-hmm. yeah when, yeah molly ringwald was in the first season you're absolutely right about that oh but guys guys you know what replaced coed fever on the cbs schedule what's that a, not, a sitcom called billy no 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 not that billy the head of the class spinoff with billy Connolly. no 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 this is another billy from 1979 and guess who played the title character in Billy? Oh, I know this. I know this. I know this. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Chico. Steve Gutenberg, bitch. Yeah, you damn right. It's Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, before he was in Can't Stop the Music with the Village People, he was in Billy. Talk about, look, he, now he would have reason to be ready for the 80s. Oh, yeah. He would. And, and, for, and for season two of Holy Moly. Wait, Steve Grutenberg was in season two of Holy Moly? Okay, so one of the holes on season two of Holy Moly is diving range. We have three people compete. The first two are the contestants, and then there's an obvious plant who oh, dives. Oh, I think one- that's hilarious. I think it's worthless! <laughs> I th- I love that. 
I'm sorry, between that and uh, Long John Lovitz. Oh, I'm. I, that uh, was hilarious. No, that that really is funny, but I can see why. Yeah, that, that gag sort of gets old maybe after about the second time. But I think it's a freaking hilarious gag. Okay. Well, there you go. Oh, well, you know what? Coed Fever did air one episode, but another sitcom that CBS planned to air during that spring was Mr. Dugan, which didn't air at all because it was a Norman Lear-produced comedy about a black congressman, and it was boycotted by actual black congressmen. Uh, it took us a little bit of time to get there, but yeah, we made it through these three stinkers and, and very derivative shows of each other. Yep. It worked in the movies. It worked really well in the movies. But, but, but in the spring of 1979, college. It was a thing on TV. And you know what course you should enroll in now? Um, Basket Weaving 105? No. You should enroll in a master's course of It Was a Thing on TV at ItWasAThingOnTV.com where you can research over 85 episodes. And actually, if you include the mini episodes and everything else we've done, we're over 90 episodes. And we we promise there won't be a, a final on it or a pop quiz about it. But, uh, yeah, definitely listen to those past episodes. Uh, we mentioned episode three earlier where we talked about Manimal and, and Auto Man and, and Zippers. Had to do it one more time. And, hey, and, if you want uh, extra credit, you can go over to our friends at Place to Be Nation. Yeah, on the pop feed. We got all our episodes from the previous week up there every Wednesday with maybe some little bonuses here and there that aren't on the regular feed. And I can tell you that this uh, drop will definitely have something as a bonus feature. Oh yeah. Cause this episode's gone way too long. No, no. I'm talking about the episode that will be up on, uh, on Wednesday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because there is going to be a little bit of an Easter egg. Um, it's all about maybe 10, 15 seconds long, but it's worth it. Isn't that right, I, Greg? Don't you dare not don't you dare compare Sir Cece to that to that jack off. I'm not I'm not even gonna say his name. I'm not even gonna say his name. He's like Voldemort. We're not gonna say his name. So we're not gonna say his name? No. Well now you know where to look for it in the episode. <laughs> if, if you want it, if you want to know more, if you dare watch WCW Road Wild 1998. Oh Jesus! Anywho, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, don't forget to rate and review, uh, and don't forget to share because sharing is caring. We're all over the place. We're on Apple Podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on the Podbean app. We're on. Spotify, I anywhere you can get podcasts, we're there. Except maybe iHeartRadio, but we don't care for iHeartRadio because screw iHeartRadio. Yeah, because they don't heart radio. They killed radio. But they do employ Ron Burgundy. And we do like Ron Burgundy. You're you're absolutely right about that. Well, coming up on Thursday. 
we're going to talk about one of the spinoffs that uh, just didn't work. Well, th that could apply to many things. That, that could apply to Joey. That could apply to the Tortellis. You'll have to figure out which one we're going to talk about. It could be the Ropers. Oh, no, we already told you last week we're going to cover the Ropers next year. Yeah. So I guess yep. you just got to come back and see what we're going to talk about on episode 88 this Thursday on It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you for listening. Row! I got to apologize on behalf of It Was a Thing on TV. I said something that I shouldn't have said. And uh, that's not the guy I am. Uh, as Castellanos hits that ball deep to left field, it'll be a 4 nothing game the Reds lead right now. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to wear this headset again. I'm not even sure I'm going to be on it was a thing on TV again. I have a lot of friends, and I hope those people will back me up. Till then, I, I beg for your forgiveness.